Hey everyone, I'm Dan Sege from Hydro Ottawa, and I'll be hosting the Think Energy podcast. So here's today's big question. Are you looking to better understand the fast-changing world of energy? Join me every two weeks and get a unique perspective from industry leaders as we deep dive and discuss some of the coolest trends, emerging technologies, and latest innovations that drive the energy sector. So stay tuned as we explore some traditional and some quirky facets of this industry. This is the Think Energy Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is the Think Energy Podcast. We've all heard the saying, it's not easy being green. But when it comes to renewable generation, is that true? With all the scientific evidence out there, being a climate change denier is becoming more and more synonymous with being a flat earther. It's clear that humans have been polluting our atmosphere with carbon dioxide and other global warming emissions. NASA, the World Health Organization, and the United Nations say we have to change the way we live, work, and play. As we face our own extinction, what is the answer? Do we have the courage to be green? Are we okay with it not being easy? That brings us to renewable energy. How easy or difficult is it? How does it improve our health, environment, and economy? Where is Canada at? And are we on track to becoming a global climate leader? Are we leveraging renewable energy within the electricity system? And do we have enough new renewable capacity to power our energy needs? Compared to conventional methods of generation like fossil fuels, greenhouse gases emitted from renewables are little to none, making them the cleanest, most viable solution to prevent environmental degradation. Renewable sources of electricity have powered Canada for more than a century. According to Natural Resources Canada, renewable energy sources currently provide about 17% of Canada's total primary energy supply, with wind and solar as the fastest growing in the country. So here's today's big question. What is a realistic strategy to increasing the supply of renewable energy so that we can permanently replace the remaining carbon-intensive energy sources in Canada? And what would the global impact be? Joining me today is Brandy Gianetta from the Canadian Renewable Energy Association. Brandy is the regional director responsible for promoting, communicating, and advocating for adoption of the association's policies with political representatives, member of government, media, and other key stakeholders and decision makers. Brandy, welcome to the show. Maybe start us off by talking about the Canadian Renewable Energy Association, its mandate, and why it's important for Canada. Sure thing. Well, the Canadian Renewable Energy Association, uh, we are a national industry association. We, We see ourselves as the voice for wind energy, 
solar energy and energy storage solutions here in Canada uh, with the goal of powering Canada's energy future. So our association really works to create the conditions for modern energy solutions vis-a-vis uh, -vis stakeholder advocacy, public engagement um, at, at several different levels. So we are a multi-technology industry association and we are new. Uh, we are looking again to provide that unified, unified voice for renewable energy as well as energy storage across Canada. So we're the product of uniting what was the Canadian Wind Energy Association with what was the Canadian Solar Industry Association. So Canwea and Cancia were our, our well-known names as having had decades of advocacy in Canada on behalf of the wind sector and the solar sector in Canada. And now we're one new expanded industry association. So very exciting, um, which also now includes, of course, energy storage. So that's in recognition of that pivotal role that energy storage is going to play alongside those renewable technologies as we look to transform Canada's energy mix. What is the Canadian Renewable Energies Association's role in transforming Canada's energy mix. Right. So, well, our new joint venture as one association is really going to enable our members as well as the association itself uh, to secure what we think is going to be a larger piece of the fat future energy pie that could normally have been achieved as single technologies or single entities. So our technologies having common interests in, in um, common characteristics will with respect to that policy, energy policy, you know, climate policy, different markets and regulatory frameworks throughout Canada, um, and, and really advocating within those commonalities to support the deployment of all of the technologies as solutions. So I didn't mention in the front that we have over 300 members within our association that represent that full scope of the sector. So we're really uniquely positioned to, to do that as an industry association. But I see some really sort of specific aspects of how we will do that and what our strategy will entail. And I alluded to a little bit around the advocacy side, um, providing access to credible and timely information and industry engagement. So that's an internal process as well as an F front-facing sort of public-facing uh, engagement role that we'll play. So as a National Industry Association, as I mentioned, we will be active at the federal level from an advocacy perspective, but we'll, we're also present in multiple jurisdictions across Canada. So we advocate for policies that focus on that transition to a clean economy, but it's powered by renewable energy solutions. So that's really the key there. Um, what what are one of, one of the things we'll be working toward is to create new opportunities, but also to remove the existing barriers that are stopping us from realizing those, um, those solutions. And ultimately that will enhance the deployment of our technologies throughout the country. And what we really consider to be, you know, safe and sustainable, environmentally um, a friendly manner, but also a big part of that advocacy side and that credible information and front-facing side of what we do will be to increase public awareness of our technologies as they stand, but also, most importantly, the benefits that they provide, that they're already providing to communities throughout Canada and across the future, um, uh, the potential to do even more. So federally, we have, you know, number one priority is to make sure that we're well positioned to contribute to economic recovery, particularly in a COVID situation that we're in right now, um, but also as a unified voice for the renewable side and energy storage, we're going to really try to help navigate uh, Canada to an emission reduction targets. We're going to create good jobs. We're going to stimulate the economy. You know, we're going to be present in urban centers and rural centers and indigenous communities. So we have so much value to offer. And as a collective effort, we're really going to 
to try to influence those public policies that are really energy focused and economic stimulus focused to be able to do that. And we can do it because, and I'll probably say this a lot, we're a really scalable um, set of resources. And when you put us all together, we're really well suited to, to power that transition. How is your association positioned to deliver clean, low-cost, reliable, flexible, and scalable solutions for Canada's energy needs? Well, I'm glad you said it first because I think I'll be repeating myself a lot because that's the key. We're low cost. We're reliable. Uh, you know, we offer flexible, scalable solutions. So we have uh, a headquarters in Ottawa. We're nationally, you know, present, but we also have people in the key regions across Canada from east to west and centrally in Quebec and Toronto. Um, and, and we definitely look to influence um, regional policies as well as national policies. And we definitely have a public facing communication side where we're advocating for energy solutions that will leverage the value proposition that renewables and energy storage provide together. So we're going to have um, what I talked about a little earlier was that internal forum for dialogue for our members that enables us to really collaborate um, provide opportunities for the stewardship of our technologies, but also the growth of the industry across Canada and in Canadian economies. So renewable energy and energy storage, as I noted, have a really important and central role to play as we transform our, Canada, our Canadian energy mix. Um, and we see electricity markets adapting to these transformational demands to not only decarbonize, but as a result, electrify new sectors with clean electricity resources. So that reality has really uh, been a huge driver in that tremendous new market opportunity for renewable energy and energy storage together. As we sort of get more comfortable with what that transition looks like and what it entails, our electricity system here in Canada is really going to need increased, actually I would say significantly increased amounts of renewable energy, energy storage, um, and at the utility scale. So our grids need to be powered by clean supply of renewables backed up by energy storage. Um, and we need to make sure that they remain affordable affordable, reliable, flexible, and scalable, as you noted. So that's going to mean, you know, large utility scale deployment of renewables and energy storage, but also a significant uptake and uh, sort of mobilization of those behind the meter applications. So distributed energy resources, for example, and putting that new collaborative framework in place like we've done at our association um, is going to fully be able to allow us to fully leverage that opportunity. Let me ask you this, is the renewable energy industry primed to enter a new phase of growth driven largely by increasing customer demand and cost competitiveness. Are you seeing a culture shift? Definitely, yes, uh, there has been. And, it, and it's, it's I'd say now more than ever um, that we are realizing that culture shift and we're starting to uh, see things materialize as a result of that shift. So ultimately, the needs and the wants of Canadian consumers have evolved, but they're continuing to evolve. So, uh, you know, energy technologies are, aren't the only thing. It's markets that are innovating. Uh, the costs are coming down, as we all know, to a significantly affordable level. Uh, business models, as a result, are also changing, not just here in Canada, but globally. So it's a global trend. Um, it's not unique to Canada. We are well poised to follow those global trends and capitalize on the learnings and advancements of the technology, as well as the market and business structures that have evolved as well. So renewable energy and energy storage as solutions uh, 
focused approaches are really increasingly contributing to those electricity grids and energy systems at a large scale, um, which and that what that means is that we're enhancing the reliability aspect and offerings, the flexibility of the technologies. And because we're super scalable, as I told you, I'll, I'll talk about that a lot because it's certainly an attractive aspect of, of the advocacy side. The scalability of our energy production and use in Canada and, and abroad is really a factor there because we can do it at whatever scale needed for whatever system you know is is being sought so a consciousness about the environment continues to grow alongside that so we've got energy policy and economic stimulus but we also have environmental policy and the drivers for decarbonization and electrification of, of the sectors that aren't traditionally powered by electricity like cars and transportation like at a large scale as well as buildings um, are really increasing the demand for energy solutions that are non-emitting affordable scalable flexible and all of those great things and that's something that obviously our industries can provide so our vision really ultimately is to ensure that renewable energy being solar and wind and then the energy storage on top of that are playing that central role as we transform the mix so that we can continue to provide those solutions across the board. Brandy, do you believe that renewables like wind and solar can help deliver the clean power jobs needed for a sustainable economic delivery? For sure. I mean, the calls for an economic recovery right now uh, that are grounded in clean energy and climate action are, are increasingly growing and becoming more prevalent across the, across the globe. Uh, we've got the International Energy Agency, for example, who called this a historic opportunity. You know, despite the fact that we're in a global pandemic and there are many crises to manage, uh, we are taking uh, our cues from the International Energy Agency as a proper agency. Um, seeking, uh, you know, recognition that we have an opportunity upon us that is historic in, in its nature. Um, the International Monetary Fund as well has, uh, its leadership has come out to say that we must do everything within our power to make it a green recovery. So right here in Canada, we uh, in particular are signatories to a public letter which has asked Canadian governments to pursue a resilient recovery to the COVID situation in particular. So we've got hundreds of signatories representing over, like, you know, I think over 2,000 now Canadian companies that are right here, you know, headquartered here in Canada that have signed that letter seeking a campaign uh, in order to pursue federal and provincial governments to commit to a clean recovery and resilience plan. So the, the renewable energy sector, as well as energy story, uh, sorry, energy storage industries, we're making a case for those policies, energy policies, economic stimulus packaging, uh, recovery policies that are, uh, you know, threefold. We need to make sure that they're economically timely and long lasting. So right time, right place, and that they are sustainable making sure that they're environmentally sound. So there needs to be that environmental sustainability attached to those policies and then eminently feasible. They have to be practical, realistic and actually implementable uh, with a proven success here in Canada or elsewhere um, so that we can capitalize on that and, and truly you know, make that history that the International Energy Agency has referred to. So our federal government stimulus and recovery efforts in particular, I think are a focus right now for us because we think that those efforts can create jobs. They can uh, spur clean tech innovation. They will encourage economic diversification across many sectors, not just the energy sector. Um, but also ultimately we're gonna cut carbon pollution while doing that and why not? Because that illness causing you know, air pollution is something that we can tackle at the same time while we grow our economy. And really what we're looking to do is make Canada more resilient country and we want to do it on the back of our energy sector. 
So we really believe that's important. And we do believe that those initiatives taken in support of economic recovery also allow us to address all those significant other challenges like climate change. Uh, so it's really important that we invest in wind energy and in solar energy and in energy storage at appropriate scales and in appropriate uh, locations so that we can deliver the jobs, the economic benefits, um, making sure that today we're realizing those benefits and then building out that longer term infrastructure that's sustainable. It's going to provide a, a really strong foundation for a lot more investment down the road. And again, jobs, economic activity is going to all spur as, as we as we build out those solutions of tomorrow. So climate adaptation and resilience stand out as rapidly emerging areas of employment as a result of climate change impacts. What types of careers are in demand? And at what rate are jobs in clean energy sector growing? That's a great question because, you know, the numbers are there. So we, we know the stats and we can cite all those figures and I'll talk a little bit about that. But the jobs are exciting um, and there's no limit uh, to the types of jobs. One of the greatest stats that I love and I, I check it out every year as the annual numbers come out of the U.S. in particular is the wind turbine technicians and solar technicians. That has continuously year over year over the past several years ranked as one of the fastest growing occupations in the United States. So that's really exciting because that resonates here in Canada as well as we build out our industry. Um, in fact, we did a wind energy supply chain study in Alberta uh, a few years back, and it really detailed the breakdown of the jobs required just for a wind farm in particular. Um, and it was varied from the very, you know, technical and professional engineering requirements, uh, geotechnical type requirements, siting and negotiation of land agreements, um, and the regulatory um, advocacy work, as well as environmental side of that. But there's also, uh, you know, the broader procurement and construction side and, you know, transportation logistics, you know, setting up a crane and having that that broader service industry attached to um, the evolution of the sector. So it's really a, a significant uh, cross section of very technical and professional quality career type positions, uh, research driven things from environmental sustainability, and then the, you know, the heavy lifting of the transportation and construction side of things. So there's a lot of, um, we're seeing offshoots of service jobs as well. Um, and one of the large, uh, one of the aspects of the solar side, especially behind the meter and that large uptake of, of solar installations behind the meter has created a lot of opportunities. It's very labor intensive. And we're seeing from the solar industry, um, significant numbers on manufacturing sales, just distribution and wholesale careers. Uh, we've got the ins installation community as well across Canada growing at an exponential rate. Um, operations and maintenance will remain a significant portion of a sophisticated workforce. Um, and then, as I said, that offshoot service industry that supplies the services to those things. So as you can see, it's not a short list of jobs. It is, it is a varied and, like I said, um, extensive list of job opportunities that will continue to evolve and grow. Um, now, if you want to talk about statistics, the rate that it's growing at, um, we have already over 300,000 people employed in the clean energy sector in Canada. So that number has continued to grow by close to 5% every year, and it's slated to continue to do so, which, just to give you some perspective, is about a third faster than Canada's economy as a whole 
and its growth rate, which is just under 4%. So by 2030, the projections that we're relying on today show us that there will be over a half a million Canadians employed in gainful, full-time, lucrative careers in the clean energy sector uh, across the country. And that's going to be, you know, thanks in part to continued commitment to climate policies, uh, to programs that are supporting robust clean economy type stimulus, and that growth rate will uh, continue to evolve as a result. So it's very good news. Brandy, in a world where distributed energy resources are increasingly valued, I'd love to hear your views on both the wind and solar value proposition as compelling options and how customers can more actively manage their demand. Right. Well, I have to go back to the old, you know, the the reference to scalability, wind energy, solar energy, even energy storage, extremely scalable. What that means, as I as I noted earlier, is that these technologies, you know, they're well positioned to transform our energy system, but they can provide solutions at a micro level or macro level. So at the micro level, distributed energy resources can be deployed in a number of ways to empower the customers that are seeking those technologies. And then, of course, then scaled according to a very unique set of needs as defined by the customers themselves and they're affordable. So more and more energy customers um, of all types, as I, I think I said this already, where they're seeking, you know, clean, affordable, safe, all of those, all of those buzzwords and, and properties and principled um, approaches to pursuing these technologies as solutions. Um, and ultimately they're less and less focused on a single technology to provide it. Is it smart? Does it make sense? Does it fit? Um, all of those boxes being checked, you know, whether that's wind, solar, or storage at the scale that's required, that's really, that's the, the value of that as a solution, of these technologies as a solution option. And they're multifaceted. So I think that really there's definitely a clear public desire, um, obviously for clean and affordable, as we've noted many times, but those solutions behind the meter, so smaller scale applications like rooftop solar panels, uh, personalized home energy storage systems, things like that are going to continue to evolve and provide those uh, solutions at, at a larger rate. And the innovation behind those distributed energy resources is is really what's you know allowing us to be poised to meet the demands of today's customers but to evolve those offerings for the future needs as and, and wants as well um, so that transition again um, clean renewable sources very important um, and the impact for the consumer and ultimately our economy and environment are, are what's really driving the value proposition there as solar and wind power come closest to meeting three energy consumer priorities cost effectiveness decarbonization and reliability, what role will they play with microgrids and self-sufficiency? Oh, great question. Um, and again, all those buzzwords, but important ones, right? They're really principled realities and, you know, criteria that we're aiming towards. So the successful and enhanced uptake of microgrids and self-sufficiency will be motivated as long as we continue to meet those, those principles and those criteria. So remember, flexible, scalable, and supportable. So we've got a micro level, you know, distributed energy resource, and we can deploy it in a number of ways. So I talked a little bit about in the previous question about, you know, based on what the customer's needs and wants are. So, you know, some really you know, tangible examples of that are converting remote communities that aren't grid connected. So they have no wires and no transmission access, and they've been running on diesel generators for decades, for generations, really. Um, and we're going to convert those to sustainable microgrids. We're going to use solar panels. We're going to use industrial size storage, whether that's batteries or otherwise, and maybe even a wind turbine or two, if it makes sense. You do it to scale, and now you've got a remote community that's self-generating 
you know, non-emitting and it's quite independent and that's, that's a success story in and of itself. But distributed energy resources can really promote increased energy self-sufficiency um, and, and through to other examples that are a little more simple, even like deployment of rooftop solar in neighborhoods, you know, are you going to use it to heat your, your, your water instead of the electrical or, or gas hot water heater? Maybe you're using it to heat your pool. So you're not running, you know, another gas line or gas system in, in, your, in your urban areas, but also providing electricity more broadly, like bigger installations on hospitals and colleges and universities and schools like that, municipal buildings, all of those, those are all, you know, fall into the bucket of distributed energy resources, which promote self-sufficiency. Um, and ultimately, renewable energy powered things like charging stations for electrical vehicles um, is, is enhanced, you know, I, I would say ultimately self-sufficiency proper and enhanced reliability go hand in hand because you can couple that with energy efficiency, electric vehicles, uh, charging as well as discharging and smart grids and even certain demand response measures. So the list goes on and on, uh, you know, and we can unpack them, but the, it's, it's quite, um, I would say quite lucrative. Um, and again, it all comes back to the fact that scale, scalability. Brandy, can you help me understand what the role of storage plays in the deployment and advancement of renewable energy? Oh, sure. Well, on a larger scale, like utility side, the technologies, renewables can be deployed in complementary ways to supply and support our broader electricity grids, um, or they can be used as a co-located or hybrid uh, resource with facilities like wind, uh, wind wind projects, wind farms, and solar projects, um, adding energy storage in order to firm that utility scale offering of energy to the grid. So firm power um, or capacity, if you will. But by working together, the renewables and the energy storage present a broader and more diverse range of not just energy, firm energy offerings, um, but for customers seeking other things, that diversity in technology um, provides scale, uh, grid services, um, and, and other products, uh, for lack of a better word, to the grid operator. Um, and then ultimately, if, if, if you're looking at a smaller scale, to the customer um, as a standalone effort to enhance the needs that they, they have identified. Um, sometimes that's offsetting uh, their peak demand use and other aspects and applicability of the energy storage component can be uh, used that way. So the scale varies, large scale utility grid offering to smaller scale behind the meter um, solutions. And so really energy storage in particular as, as a technology um, has a central role to play in, the, in that transformation to be able to make those solutions tangible and affordable and implementable. Now for the million dollar question. How is Canada faring as a global climate leader? In your opinion, what is the low hanging fruit and what has the potential to have the biggest impact to the industry and maybe the world? Well, sure. Canada is in a great position already because we we were starting from a spot of having strong, renewable and, and non-emitting electricity uh, base. So there remains also a massive untapped potential for wind, solar and hydro resources to continue to be developed. And so I would say that we're as one of the best countries or country's best position to eliminate our fossil fuel use in electricity generation in particular. And then the abundance of our resources means that we're then also positioned to support significant increase in non-emitting or renewable electricity supply to power those other fossil fuel intensive industries like I mentioned earlier transportation
transportation and buildings. So we do need to move away from fossil fuels for those other industries as well. Uh, and we can do it on the back of the electricity sector in Canada as it currently stands but we can also evolve that significantly because we already have the resources. And I think the numbers associated with uh, deep decarbonization envision that we need to increase our electricity production by two or three times to reach our sort of net zero GHG emission targets. And we already, like I said, have um, all of those resources available to us to do that. So it's a matter of the will and uh, you know transitioning to that as a global leader, we can really, I think, step ahead of the crowd and, and shine. What is exciting you about the renewable energy industry right now? Well, we're on the right side of history. We always have been. But now more than ever, I think the stars are really aligning. You know, we've got decreasing costs. Our customer demand and knowledge is growing at a rate. I don't know that any of us could have predicted a few, you know, a decade ago. That emissions-free, zero marginal cost fuel, it's never going to go away. It's here to stay. It's scalable. It's flexible. We, it's decentralized. Um, all of those buzzwords, which we can unpack any single one of them, that's exciting. But really put them all together. And I don't know how exciting is that? Like, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm making the assumption, but I think it speaks for itself. Like, we are in a really good place right now uh, for all those reasons. And when we need to be excited about it. Here's my last question, Brandy. What keeps you up at night? Well, you know, I think governments across Canada, you know, they need to take the politics out of the energy sector and the decision making processes really need to be based on fair and transparent competition. You know, we've all, you know, leveling that playing field for us all and taking the politics out of it because that decision-making process really needs to be aimed at providing the best solution to clearly defined problems without the politics. And that's not to say there's not a role for governments in energy policy. There certainly is, but sound policy, stable investment signals, those things need to outweigh the politics in order to realize that, you know, progress and innovation, it's so ripe for the picking. And I think our good friend, Getty Lee, his Canadian icon, um, saying it best when he said, progress has no patience, but something's got to give. So those are the things that I stay up at night thinking about. Brandy, we've reached the end of another episode of the Think Energy podcast. How can our listeners learn more about you and your association? How can they connect? Well, like I said, we are new, so we've got a brand new shiny website up and running. It's renewablesassociation.ca. Uh, we're active on Twitter and LinkedIn mostly. Uh, we've got Facebook and maybe a couple of other social channels. Um, but we're going to continue to be evolving those sites over the summer uh, in both English and French, which is very exciting and very important to us as a national industry association to be fully bilingual. Um, so I would say that's your best effort. Reach out through vis-a-vis our website. Um, we're a small but mighty team, and so we're listening there and you can contact us centrally through the website is probably your best bet again thank you so much for joining me today i hope you had a lot of fun i sure did thank you so much for the opportunity i really appreciate it thank you for joining us today i truly hope you enjoyed this episode of the think energy podcast for past episodes make sure you visit our website hydroottawa.com backslash podcast Lastly, if you found value in this podcast, be sure to subscribe. Anyway, this podcast is a wrap. Cheers, everyone.